1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Auburn Undercover podcast here on AuburnUndercover.com. My name is Nathan King, and we are here to review Auburn's 42-13 loss in the Iron Bowl, a game that was kind of I mean in certain ways went as expected um, I think alabama's offense everyone knew what they were going to be able to do but i 'm here with uh Jason Caldwell and Philip Marshall, uh, both of whom have been over the past forty eight hours writing and, and and analyzing and going over the results of the game and uh, We'll start with you Jason was there anything here um what, or rather what surprised you about this one? Because there were some things that, that, that went as expected and we, we, knew what, we knew who Alabama was. But what about Auburn's performance in this game um, surprised you? Maybe some things they did well or probably a lot of stuff that they didn't execute very highly? Yeah,
0: I don't know if there's anything that was greatly surprising. Um, once we, we knew coming out of that, um, the game, the previous game, when, when you lose a couple offensive linemen, those guys are questionable and Tank Beansby is questionable. Uh, that they're not going to be 100%. Um, that's a huge blow for this offense because this offense isn't the same without a, a healthy tank, Bixby. No offense to the other running backs, but he's he brings a different level for them, and not having him was a big deal. And probably, Maybe the most surprising thing was just you know, knowing that, that Auburn's penchant for, hey, we're going to try to take away the big play, and Alabama still had a bunch of big plays on offense. That just shows you how explosive they are and how difficult they are to defend when you're – plan is that, and they're still able to do it. Um, their offensive line is as good as I've seen. And when you have that, um, you can pretty much do anything you want to on offense. So, that was kind of the story of the game for me.
1: Philip, what were you, kind of your general takeaways? Um, well, I,
2: I, I, I agree a lot with, with Jason. I mean, I, uh, Alabama has played Auburn, Texas A&M, and uh, Georgia at home. And they scored. 52 on Texas A&M, 41 on Georgia, and 42 on Auburn. So it's not like it's anything new. Uh, uh, and they also scored 41 on Mississippi State, and we'll score about 50 on Florida in the SEC Championship game. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I expect Auburn's offense to uh to, to to be to get a little more done, and I think they would have gotten more done if if they had been healthy, but. But they weren't, and uh, uh, you know, it was the better team won, and the, the Alabama's significantly better, and they won by a significant margin. I don't, uh, I don't know that anything shocked me. Uh, they. I think this may be Saban's best team. I really don't know how you slow them down on offense. I, I, they have so many weapons, and like Jason said, they got the best offensive line probably in college football. So, uh, and great great receivers and a great running back and a quarterback who is uh, great for what they're doing. So, uh, they got all the answers on my friends.
1: When you guys look at Auburn's offense in this game, I think all of us maybe expected them, or at least I know I did pick them to maybe score a little bit more, both of you talking about the injuries there. Looking at these games moving forward, when Auburn goes at Georgia, and they go at Alabama, and they go at LSU, and they always seem to have this this same uh, flavor of an offensive performance, how does this change? How, how does Auburn get to a point where it can be in the fourth quarter in these kinds of games away from home? We'll, we'll go back to you, Jason. How does Auburn How does Auburn get to that point? Because obviously Gus Malzahn now 0-12 in those kinds of situations against the biggest rivals on the road.
0: Yeah, they've they been there a couple of times at LSU, and it's because they had success running the football. Um, that's the thing, and, and that's where it starts. I wrote about it today. We've written about it plenty of times before. You, you look at the differences in the offensive lines on those two teams, and that's the difference in, <clears throat> in the entire football game to me um, because when you have that group, and as good as Alabama's as it was, then, you know, I'm glad Philip mentioned it. You have a quarterback in, in Mac Jones who does what they – you know, Bo has got kind of, you know, crucified a little bit for saying that he, is, he manages the game well. Well, that's exactly what he does because he has those other pieces in place around him. He doesn't have to do a whole lot. Uh, I heard Dan Mullen talking about Kyle Trask on game day Saturday morning, and he called him a game manager. His own, he called his own quarterback game manager, who's going to win the Heisman. Heisman front runner, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad when quarterbacks say it about other quarterbacks. They meaning in a in a very good turn, meaning that guy does exactly what his team needs him to do to win. Until Auburn can get to that point, you're asking more of your quarterback, especially on Saturday. There just wasn't a lot of time, and when you can't run the football, <clears throat> when you can't run the football in those games, you're left either to do one of two things: continue to try it. Or we saw, once again, when Auburn got in a little tempo in the passing game, that's when they had their most success. Um, and it took them a little bit too long to get into it. Um, and, they, and you need to get Tank to see if he can do it. But it was pretty apparent early on that he wasn't there. And like I said, the other guys just aren't capable of of doing what he can do running the football. And, and without that, it it left them uh, in too big of a hole. So you got to get better on the offensive line to be able to run the
1: football, to give yourself, you know, both options in a play-action game. Philip, how much of the frustrations from the Auburn fan base, which there are a lot of, but you said this is the best team in the country. This, I agree this could be Saban's best team. Which parts of Auburn fans' frustrations are warranted from this one, and which parts should you say, all right, take a step back here? Well, look at the plan?
2: a lot of fans don't want to hear this, but it's the truth. Uh, Gus Malzahn has surely set some kind of record for games played against teams ranked number one in the nation. Uh, I don't know how many, how many programs there are out there. You know, what would Clemson do if they had to play Alabama every year and Georgia every year? They'd still be good, but they wouldn't be the Clemson as we know them. So that, it's, it's, only fair, it's only fair to take that into account. Uh, uh, having said that, it's great. Auburn has terrific skilled players. I mean, Seth Williams and, and Anthony Schwartz and Eli Stove and those guys and, and, uh, and Tank when he's healthy. Uh, but the one thing about football that hasn't changed is more often than not, it's still won and lost on the line of scrimmage. And uh, if, you, I mean, if Bo Nix was a statue back there, if he wasn't so athletic, He'd have probably got sacked nine times Saturday, uh, and uh, uh, you just can't. It's hard to play that way, and I think that that keeps him from. Because I I kept thinking Saturday that if you really if you're really playing to win this game, you just need to get in the shotgun and sling it, because you're not going to run it. And uh, uh, and Alabama had trouble running it early too, and that's what they did. They just started throwing it. Well, Auburn and Auburn got some pressure. A few times, but for the most part, they didn't get a lot of pressure on Mike Jones. He stood back there and he's got all those receivers. And I don't know, nobody has been good enough to cover him yet. I'll just put it that way. And That includes Georgia and that includes uh, uh, Texas A&M. And uh, uh, so, but to me, if you just talk about the big picture, I think it's, when look, and I wrote about this the difference in how Auburn plays against those teams at home and on the road is, is just really striking. I mean, Auburn has scored 48 and uh, 48 points against Alabama. They've scored 34 points against Alabama. They scored 41 and 48 against LSU. Uh, they scored 40, 40 and 43 against Georgia. This is in Gus's time. And the most they have scored against any of those those teams on the road in 12 games is 23 points, except for one time when, when the 55-44 the shootout in Tuscaloosa in 2014. Except for that one outlier, they've scored 23 or fewer points in every game. Now, they've been competitive at LSU for the most part. But for the most part, they haven't been competitive at Georgia and Alabama, and particularly at Georgia on offense. And people have a right to, to wonder what, why that is. I mean, you're not going to be as good on the road a lot of times you are at home. Everybody understands that. But that much difference, that's a lot of difference. And uh, uh, and I think it comes down to going well, right back to what we were talking about. How good are you up front? If you're good up front, then everything else is a whole lot better off. If, if, if Bo Nix could just stand back there and throw the ball, he'd, he'd have a bunch of passing yards. But I think they're afraid to do that. Though Saturday – just to keep running into a situation where you weren't having any success uh, wasn't going to win the game. Now, now, maybe they get beat by 60 if they try to throw it all every down. But to me, it, it, uh, it was uh, – they had an issue with the offensive line and what they did to deal with it didn't work. But, uh, you know, they, they had – everything had to go their way for them to be in the game. Steph Williams got to catch a wide open touchdown pass. Uh, you got to not turn the ball over. Uh, those kinds of things, and that didn't happen. So you know, and and,
0: you know, and, and avoid you know early, those early penalties. I was the one surprising yeah. thing to me was Auburn, Auburn taking the ball early. Yeah. I, I just really didn't understand that one. I understand Alabama's offense is really good, but your defense is normally at its best on the first possession of the game. Normally, just about every game, Auburn's defense gets off the field three and out in the first possession, and you set yourself up for good field position. Well, instead, you get a a holding call on the kickoff return. You start inside the 10, and it sets in motion a couple of series where you're playing inside your own 10-yard line. Um, In fact, except for two possessions where you're at the 30 and the 28, Auburn started and inside its twenty-five, or or inside its twenty-five. The rest of the game, it's hard to win football games against bad teams when you have terrible field position.
2: It's impossible against a good team when you have field position. Auburn had on Saturday. The the kickoff surprised me too. I you know, and I understand the emotions running high, and and the only thing you you know, you got kids out there that are desperately trying to make a play, but uh. uh and I could even kind of give him the first one because it was it, I, I'm sure he thought he saw he saw room but once that happened then start fair catching those balls and uh, instead they kept trying to return them and they kept not getting back to the 20yard line and uh, and you're always in danger of getting a block in the back on kickoff returns it happens a ridiculous amount of the time really uh, so yeah the, that, I thought the field position. The field position was definitely a a factor in the first half when the game was still was still in the balance. And the, uh, well, I'm not picking on Seth, but the drop pass it would have made it probably 21 to 10 at halftime. Yeah. And then then you go to halftime feeling like you're in the game and you got a chance.
0: It's a and, completely and, uh,
2: different feel. You're right. Um, I thought that was a huge huge play in the game.
0: Yeah, Philip. This to, to your point and Nathan as well um, about the kickoff returns. Tank Bixby has been Really good at it, but obviously yeah. right now he's not going to be a guy. Right. I've seen Sean Chivers a bunch. Sean's a guy that does his role really well. It just doesn't look like kickoff return is one of those things. Um, Phil, we've seen we saw Alexander Wright. We've seen Tim Carter. We've seen a bunch of really fast guys excel at kickoff return. We've never seen Anthony Schwartz.
2: That's a strange thing. I don't really, I don't really yep. get that.
0: I don't understand that one. Um, that's a game breaker back there that can do that and would change the way teams probably had to kick to you. Um, I, I just wonder
1: right now if, if Shivers is the best option for them in turn to kickoffs. So with Schwartz, to me, it's like, it seems like he's, he's not necessarily the biggest guy in the world, so maybe you're, you're thinking about him taking hits. But then along that same line, I feel like Shivers didn't play as much in this game because of how much he was doing on the kickoffs. So you know, towards the end of the season and these these last two games that you that are must wins, yeah, I agree with you, Jason. I feel like you've got to look at that. Look, they've already made a return change this year. They, they thought for a reason um, that Eli Stove was a better choice at punt return over Christian Tut. Philip were – sorry, I, I
2: cut you off a little bit. No, you didn't. No, I, I just I agree. I, I you know, to me, Anthony Schwartz is a prototypical kickoff returner. I mean, you got you got a situation with the. Uh, the fastest guy, uh, it's said in the country. Uh, I mean, all you need's a crack, a crack and, and if he, you know, there's not, there's no running him down if he gets, if he gets away from you. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, they changed, like I said, they changed punt returners, and uh, and Tank was really good. Look, yeah. a healthy Tank was really, really good at it, and uh, gave you some field position on most, most kickoff returns. But it it was like Alabama was, uh, they were playing into Alabama's hands because Alabama's kicker can kick it out of the end zone, but he wasn't doing it. And, uh, uh, and, and he saw what happened. And then finally, I guess in the second half, they started there catching him. But, uh, but uh, yeah, that, that was, uh, that was a bit puzzling to me. I I, I just think when I look at Auburn, I see those receivers and I see Bo Nix and, And I see other teams with uh, similar kinds of players uh, able to, like I said, get in the shotgun and throw the ball. And not all those teams got Alabama's offensive line. And it just seems like Auburn has always been been hesitant to do that. Right. for whatever reason, I think it's just Gus's belief that you got to be able to run the ball with the SEC to win.
0: And and, and and when Auburn has done that in those games, they have been
2: successful in doing it every time. Yep. Well, you look at – I'll give you a couple of examples. Texas A&M, two years ago, they're beat, basically. Uh, and in the fourth quarter, they have no choice but just to get put Sherry, Derrick Cinnamon in the shotgun and, and throw the ball and – Boom, boom, they have two long touchdowns driving, they win. Just LSU in uh, 2018, They uh, the 22 to 21 game. LSU is leading 10 to nothing. They go to tempo, uh, uh, throwing the ball and score on the last two possessions of the first half and the first possession of the third quarter, and they're 21 to 10, and then they stop doing it. I, sp- that's. that's uh, that's been something that has puzzled me, particularly with the last two quarterbacks, uh, with Jarrett Stidham and, uh, and Bo Nix, who who certainly have the have the talent to do to do that and be successful, just to, and, as much as any other quarterback.
0: And the other thing is, too, is that's easier to do on the road than it is to run your regular offense because yeah. there's much less communication involved right. in running that system than there is you know, getting the line of scrimmage and checking and doing those things. You're basically, it's all visual, and, and you're going. Um, to me, that that makes more sense. And especially, you know pretty quickly whether you're going to be to run a football or not. Um, when that doesn't happen, then uh, especially with, again, this Saturday, the game could be 24 to 20. So it's a different type of game. But when you know it's already 14 to nothing, and, and you know what Alabama's offense is capable of, and, and you see where this game is heading, then that one, quickly turned into what, what they did in 2014, which is they dropped Nick Marshall back and threw the football all over the field. Um, that was the
1: only option they had on Saturday to try to win a game. Yeah, we'll, and we'll talk about Saturday's game. We'll just kind of leave y'all with this one. It seems like we always have this conversation every time Auburn has a loss like this. How big is the difference at the end of this season between seven and three and a win over both teams and six and four? and a loss to Texas A&M. It seems like every time Auburn loses a game like this, we look ahead to their next game and say, not not necessarily a must win, but how big is this win? Um, I guess, Jason, we'll will kick it to you. Um, how much does Auburn have to win this game against Texas A&M? I
0: mean, it's big. When you look at, at the victories they have this season, um, you, you, need a, you need a significant win uh, for this team. This would be a significant win over a top-five team. Um, this is a great opportunity because when I look at Texas A&M, I don't see top five. Now, they may show it to me on Saturday, but right now I don't see top five. Um, I see a good team. Um, but I'm also, also going to have a team with Jimbo Fisher that wants to come to Auburn, and, 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 and they got a lot to play for. This is a game where Texas A&M has a whole lot in front of them. For Auburn, this is an opportunity to – I won't say you never salvage a season when you got three losses and you lost to Alabama because this is a different year. But you can make things a whole lot better by finishing seven and three with a top five win under your belt, um, as opposed to the opposite. And here's the thing with Texas—I a- mean, with Mississippi State and their freshman quarterback and the things they're doing—going over there, the last game that's no be any. a piece of take either. Uh, especially if you were to lose at home and have a fourth loss, it this is a, a big game for a lot of reasons. I
2: agree. Uh, I, I watched Texas A&M and uh, and. LSU on on Saturday and it was raining for a good bit of the game, but uh, LSU was awful on offense. I mean, they just weren't not real good. I mean, they only scored one offensive touchdown and, and we all know the LSU's defense is, uh, is not very good. And, uh, so I'm like Jason, I don't see a top five team when I see Texas A&M either. They've had a hard time beating Auburn home or away since Jimbo's been there. And, uh, it's a close game, but as far as what it means, I think there's nothing to calm the fans down after you get blown out by Georgia and Alabama both. There's nothing for them to say, okay, that's, that's good. Everything's okay. But uh, Auburn needs to win it because the biggest reason – you know, Auburn hasn't beaten a good team. And who's the, that's, that's the problem. Who's the best team they've beaten? Uh, Arkansas, probably. Yeah, probably so. So, uh, uh, and they and if they don't win this game, then they're going to go through the season without being a good team. Uh, Mississippi State is better, I mean, but they they still haven't been winning. They're they're, they're not very good. And uh, uh, so, uh, you know, the question is, you know, they say games are won on Tuesday and Wednesday as much as on Saturday, which is definitely true. And uh, they'll be ready to play on Saturday, but. How focused are they going to be on Tuesday and Wednesday with the lingering, lingering disappointment of what happened in that game? And you don't know the answer to that until you see them play.
0: No, and you're right, Philip. And, and who will you have? Um, to me, That's got question. Yeah. To me, one of the things that I think that that you know, like I said, I'm not a coach, I'm not a coordinator, but I think you need to decide on Tuesday this week if you think a guy can play. If he can't, then you need to prepare as if he's not playing and go forward with a plan. For who you've got that day, because I think you could see Saturday. I thought I thought Ham was was valiant in his effort, but it was obvious that he wasn't close to 100. percent Neither was Tank. Um, if you if you know what you got on Tuesday, Wednesday, you can prepare and go into it with that plan. Texas a defense is really good, so th- this is a better defense than Alabama probably. Um, so you got a, a different type of challenge, especially in their front seven. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna to be tough sledding to run the ball even when healthy on Saturday. So uh, I think they gotta they gotta put plan for that on Tuesday and Wednesday. You're right, Philip.
1: Yeah, and we'll see what kind of adjustments, what kind of turnaround we've got from all these issues we just talked about in the Alabama game and yet another game against the college football playoff contender here at the end of the season. I uh, appreciate you guys hopping on this morning. Appreciate everyone listening to the podcast. Check out all of our coverage of the Auburn Tigers at auburnundercover.com for Philip Marshall and Jason Caldwell. My name is Nathan King, and we will see you guys later.